The situation of press freedom today is alarming. Every four days, somewhere in the world, a journalist is killed. And beyond the killings, there are cases of physical assault, arbitrary detention, imprisonment, kidnappings. While killings are the ultimate form of censorship, they're really just the tip of the iceberg. Women journalists are particularly targeted um, in attacks online, to a large extent due to prevailing misogyny uh, in society. You, one can see that many of the female journalists that are targeted are journalists that have a strong voice in the public sphere, that are covering sensitive issues, um, that they are more frequently targeted or more easily targeted when they are covering issues such as um, gender issues, um, political issues, um, and it is part of an attempt to um, limit women's participation in the public sphere. The threats against journalists are also evolving. We have seen in recent years an increase uh, in digital attacks against journalists. An increase not only in terms of the numbers, but also in terms of the level of sophistication of such attacks. Digital attacks include hacking, digital surveillance, disruptive attacks on websites, online harassment, smear campaigns, including through the use of deep fakes. We have seen in the context of the war in Ukraine that the internet has become a key frontline of the war with cyber attacks, hacking and online censorship disrupting the free flow of information. Women journalists are particularly targeted online. Um, in a recent UNESCO commissioned study, which involved a survey of over 900 journalists, over three quarters of the female respondents reported having faced some form of online harassment or violence. And while they're being targeted for their work, the attacks that they face are often of very personal nature and frequently interlaced with sexist or even sexual comments and threats. Maria Ressa, UNESCO's World Press Freedom Prize laureate and laureate of the Nobel Peace Prize, has spoken of how at some point she was receiving over 90 hateful messages on Facebook per hour. So UNESCO has an important role um, to play in supporting journalism education and in uh, supporting training for journalists on specialized uh, topics. Um, UNESCO has a, a wide range of model curricula for um, teaching journalists on how to report on climate change or on uh, migration or on COVID-19 pandemic. And these trainings have been organized um, both as physical training sessions, but also through MOOCs, massive open online courses, which have allowed UNESCO to reach thousands of journalists around this, the, the world um, and to uh, improve, therefore, reporting on these sensitive issues. So UNESCO works on a number of fronts to tackle the issue of journalist safety. Um, one key front is training, capacity building. Um, and such training targets primarily journalists. So we provide, for example, training on um, conflict-sensitive reporting, 
on reporting in uh, hostile environments, so how to keep safe when you're working in a conflict uh, zone, for example, and also taking into account new elements uh, such as the digital threats that have become more frequent. So we also provide a number of training programs on digital security for journalists. So since 2013, UNESCO has trained 23,000 judges and other judicial actors on these issues. And a number of uh, training schools for judges have now integrated these issues in their regular programs for judges. Another important uh, aspect of this training is um, sensitizing judges to their role in also combating impunity for crimes against journalists. Every four days a journalist is killed but in 90% of cases, the perpetrators go unpunished. Uh, so judges, but also prosecutors and lawyers have an important role to play in making sure that this impunity is addressed. UNESCO has a very important uh, role in helping governments to create more enabling environments for free, uh, independent and pluralistic media. Um, and to help governments revise their legal frameworks to align them more to uh, international standards. And so as an example, um, during the Arab Spring, uh, UNESCO provided support, uh, technical advice and advocacy to uh, Tunisia. Um, and as a result of these efforts, uh, and of course the efforts of other actors, um, the country adopted a constitutional guarantee for freedom of expression. Uh, it adopted also a right to information law. So basically it's a, a law that enables any citizen to access public information held by the state. And also it contributed to the setting up of an independent uh, authority for regulating the broadcasting sector. So all of this really played a key role in supporting Tunisia in its democratic transition following the Arab Spring. These campaigns matter in order to sensitize uh, the global uh, audience to uh, why it is so important to protect journalists, why the killing of a journalist is actually a threat to the whole of society, to the whole of society's right to information. In the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, Governments in a number of countries uh, adopted laws, emergency laws, so-called fake news laws, that were often vaguely worded and that imposed excessive restrictions on freedom of expression. And these laws were used to curtail reporting on the spread of the virus. So UNESCO needs to continue working with governments to revise where necessary their national frameworks, national legal frameworks concerning freedom of expression to ensure that they are in line with international standards. The reason for that is that news outlets have traditionally relied on a business model that is based heavily on revenues coming from advertising and coming from sales. But with the rise of internet platforms that are now disseminating news content and that are able to ensure very sophisticated micro-targeting of advertising, we notice that there has been a shift in advertising from news media outlets to internet platforms. 
So for example, in 2019, over half of global advertising went to internet platforms, while only 6% went to newspapers. Media outlets have to rethink their business models, and UNESCO is supporting them in this process. UNESCO is working with media organizations and with other actors to consider alternative models for ensuring the media viability of news media organizations. Well, you need to consider also the fact that the digital divide is still very much an issue. In 2019, 87% of people were using the internet in developed countries. But if you go to least developed countries, only 6% of people were using the internet. So one needs to find alternative ways of informing local communities that are still outside of the internet grid. UNESCO played a vital role, uh, notably in the development of the community radio movement in Nepal, uh, with the number of community radios increasing from just one in 1997 to almost 90 uh, a decade later. And more recently, uh, UNESCO has, for example, supported through its international program for the development of communication, a project in Jordan to support five traditional media outlets in developing new digital strategies uh, to ensure better engagement with their audiences, to ensure uh, readership and a stronger uh, business model. Moreover, journalists and the media also have a very important role to play in promoting democracy and good governance by ensuring greater participation in decision-making processes, by ensuring accountability, by uncovering human rights violations and corruption. And in times of crisis, it's especially clear the role that access to reliable information has. Protecting uh, people's right to information is actually protecting the very dignity of human beings who have a natural need to communicate, to express themselves, to share ideas, to share information. And ensuring that right enables us to preserve what makes us human, actually. Words matter and declarations matter because it is important for UNESCO member states to agree on certain fundamental principles that can ensure the respect of the fundamental right to freedom of expression, that can ensure the respect of journalist safety, that can ensure the right of every citizen to access information. One example is the Window Declaration on Free, Independent and Pluralistic Media, which was adopted in 1991 at a UNESCO conference and which set the stage for the development and reinforcement of independent and free media on the African continent and was then replicated in other regions of the world. And this framework, 30 years later, at the last World Press Freedom Day conference in Windhoek in 2021, was revised and a new version that responds to the current challenges to press freedom was adopted. And this new Window Plus 30 declaration recognizes, among others, 
information as a public good, a public good to which all citizens are entitled, a good that deserves to be protected in the face of the multiple challenges that journalism is facing today. Well, I would say that the, the COVID-19 context has reminded us in a very clear and brutal way of the importance of access to reliable quality information. And for journalists to be able to carry out investigative reporting, for journalists to be able to uncover um, corruption scandals, media outlets, the media outlets that they work for require funding. Quality journalism costs money to produce. And therefore, I would like to end with an appeal to everyone to support your local paper, to support the media channels that you rely on to get that information that can have such an important impact on your life.